0: those who are here, about how you see things. And your perspective uh, is changed in your life depending on how you're raised, who taught you what, what you heard, what you've seen, and what you experienced. So if you experienced a lot of traumatic type things, your viewpoint of how you view world is going to be through trauma. You're expecting another bad thing to come around the corner. So um, Jesus said in John 8:32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. One of the words i mentioned this last and one of the words for truth is the word reality so you'll know he's saying you will know my reality and my reality is going to make you free there's many alternate realities out there there's all kinds of different types of realities and this is the reality and we need to become modernized or whatever's supposed to be going on nowadays but anyway but they're going to bring you in bondage and keep you in bondage but it's his reality that will bring freedom it's the reality of heaven of who you really are what's going to bring freedom I also mentioned last week, or two weeks ago, how the word repent, we've always said, you have to go to churches and they're like, repent, 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 and they scream, repent, and they yell, repent, but they don't even know what the word means. Have you experienced that? The word, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating. They didn't even bother to look up the word, and they're just screaming it out to everybody to repent. And it means to change your mind, to change how you think. So Jesus, when he said in Mark 1, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. He's saying change how you think and believe the gospel. Change how you think for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change how you think. So it isn't just taking new thoughts. It's ch- actually changing the way you think. All right? This will bring transformation in your life. It's the only way to bring transformation in your life is change how you think. All right? You can get saved, born again. You still think the same way. You're still going to live the same life. Your spirit may be perfected forever if you really were born again, but you're still going to live in the same uh, mire and mud and junk and addictions and bondages, the same kind of thing. If you still think the same way, you're going to live the same way. All right, Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You cannot know the will of God until your mind is renewed. You can't know it. People think they know the will of God by looking out at outward circumstances and outward situations, and they think this is the will of God because it's what they see. Faith doesn't come from what you see. Faith comes by believing what God said. Okay? You're not going to know the will of God from looking around. you know the will of God from his word. Amen? So it's the way we think, what we think about, will either be worldly and carnal or it will be transformational in your life. We feed thousands of thoughts a day. Thousands of thoughts a day. And you have to take captive all of them either to obedience to Christ or to just cast aside or to agree with it, okay? So until we think like God, until we agree with what he says, uh, there will not be true transformation in our lives, okay? Until we experience true repentance, we're not going to experience true Bible-believing faith, okay? Because you can't believe until you've repented. It's, it's how you think, how you believe, how you act, how you believe, how you think how you believe, how you act. That's the process, how it works. What you meditate on, what you think about, is going to generate fear, or it's going to generate hope, or it's going to generate hopelessness. It's going to create those things in your life, and you're going to behave according to what you think in your heart. As a man thinks, so is he. As you think, you believe, you act. Okay? So since our entire lives uh, are... Our entire lives, our transformation hinges on what you think about. I want to speak with this some more over the next couple of weeks. I really feel like God's zooming in on this for me. So I want to start with a funny story for you guys about the different way people can read things, perceive things. You can have a one thing in your mind, and you communicate it a different way. And what you have in your mind communicated, and what they receive isn't always the same. That's what we call misunderstandings, right? And sometimes misunderstandings are funny. So listen to this story. Uh, this was in a, a newspaper, and it was on Monday. They said, the Reverend A.J. Jones has one color t- TV set for sale. Telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him, cheap. Yeah, you can laugh there. There was a comment there, and it said cheap, okay? They, it was not well written. So Tuesday... Uh, they come out and said we regret any embarrassment caused to Reverend Jones by the typographical error in yesterday's paper. The ad should have read: The Reverend A. J. Jones has one color TV set for sale, cheap. Telephone six two six one three one three, and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who lives with him after seven p.m. <laughs> <laughs> they keep trying to fix it, and they're making it worse. Wednesday. The Reverend AJ Jones informs us that he has received several annoying telephone calls because of an incorrect ad in yesterday's paper. It should have read, "The Reverend AJ Jones has one color TV set for sale cheap. Telephone <laughs> telephone 626-1313 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Donnelly, who loves him, loves with him." <laughs> <laughs> they are not making this better, are they? Thursday Please take notice that I, the Reverend A.J. Jones, have no color TV set for sale. I have smashed it. (laughs) Don't call 626-1313 anymore. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Donnelly. She was, until yesterday, my housekeeper. (laughs) Friday's ad, wanted a housekeeper. Usual housekeeping duties, good pay, love in. Reverend A.J. Jones, 626-1313. Oh, my goodness. That paper needed a new editor or something. I don't know, but they a lot of errors there. But you can see you can have the best intentions in communicating with people. And if we're not on the same page or one comma's in the wrong place, one letter is off, it can totally change what's being communicated to you. And sometimes we're off in our perspective just enough where that how we view God, how we see God, how we see that he sees you changes everything. I remember when I was out at IHOP years ago, um, praying in the, the 24-hour prayer room, and just you walk in, you just feel God's presence instantly. And uh, God started speaking to me. As soon as I sat down, he said, he, I heard him say, to the pure, all things are pure. And I said, yeah, I, I know that verse. And I obviously didn't know the verse, so I just knew. I had it memorized, but it's a pretty easy one to memorize. It's pretty short. To the pure, all things are pure. And then he, I said, yeah, I know that verse. And he said again, to the pure, all things are pure. And I said, okay, what are you saying? He goes, I see you pure. I'm like, whoa. And I had to make the connection. there. So you're pure, and all things are pure, so you see me pure. And I'm like, and that, that moment changed how I viewed how God looked at me. He's not looking at me through a lens of sin, a lens of my shame, guilt, condemnation, the stuff that I've done. He's looking me through the lenses of Jesus. Amen? That hit his heart for us. So remember last... I spoke here, I mentioned those goggles, how we view life. I used to Avery High School where they put the goggles on people and it made them feel like they were drunk when they were driving golf carts. You guys were here, remember that? Then we looked at the person that had the paranoid lenses and everything they looked at was through fear, paranoia. Uh, They were always looking at conspiracy theories. Who's out to get me? What was that? What was that? Oh no. And they're just paranoid and their whole life is affected through that lens they're wearing. Or the lens people wear that are critical, judgmental, fault-finding lenses. Everything they see, every every factor of their life is looked at through criticalness, judgmental. I know why they did that. I know why they said that. They're just trying to get this. They're just trying to do that. They always have an angle. And they're critical, judgmental, they're fault-finding, and their heart has been wounded. And they see everything through that way. So I think we're all familiar with the phrase rose-colored glasses and its meanings. One of the one of the crazy things about this term is most people, no one really knows where this term came from, and one of the one of the things I read about Joey's laughing already, maybe he knows about it, but uh, a long time ago I guess apparently they made these special goggles they used to put on chickens, <laughs> and these chickens caused them not to see the blood in the goggles, not to see the blood on other chickens, so they wouldn't peck them and, and peck them and kill them, on chickens they used to mass produce these things. It's the craziest thing I ever heard of. <laughs> I was like, imagine going to a farm, you're seeing these chickens running around with goggles on. We're like, what is this? And we're making a cartoon here. Like, this is crazy. But uh, these rose-colored glasses, normally what you think of someone wearing rose-colored glasses, you look, think of uh, someone who looks at the bright side of things. The cup is always half full. They look for the silver lining in life. They have a positive outlook on life. They expect uh, things to work out good for them. They believe basically that this world is a good place to be. And they're, they're usually a, someone that's good to be around. Unless you're the opposite, and then you like, I wish that person would go away, shut up, because I want to be miserable and grumble and complain right now. Which isn't ever godly, just, so, just to say on the side. But if you're ever around one of those, you feel goody-goody two-shoes, all have the silver lining, looking at the goodest stuff, they're good for you to be around. Maybe rubbing you the wrong way like sandpaper, but they're good for you to be around because you need to change like them. So I want you to put up that first slide for me on the uh, PowerPoint. I want to have a little clip to show you about somebody. When I think of this, I think of, I think of Pollyanna. Okay, and Pollyanna, the Disney movie, she liked to play the glad game, and the glad game is something that she's always looking for the silver lining of things, even when people around her are negative, depressing, critical, judgmental, fault-finding, and she plays the glad game anyway, and she was able to change that whole community through her, her attitude. So can we show that now? It should be the first slide in the PowerPoint. What did I tell you? He sure sermonizes something fierce, doesn't he? Brimstone and damnation on top of ham and eggs. The one day a week we have off. I hate Sundays. Ooh, I just hate them. Break. You you might just have to restart it and uh, try to play it again from the start. It worked earlier, so we'll see. If not, you listen to the audio and I'll tell you. What did I tell you? I'm looking at the silver lining of this right now, (laughs) of the, of our technology. What'd I tell you? All right, just let it play. He sure sermonizes something fierce, doesn't he? Brimstone and damnation on top of ham and eggs. The one day a week we have off. I hate Sundays. Ooh, I just hate them. Breakfast still a hot ball in our stomachs, and him chewing our ears off from that pulpit. We gotta have roast chicken, though. I'm glad of that. Are you gonna start that all over again? Glad this, glad that? What is all this glad business you talk about? Oh, just a game I play. What kind of a game? Game my father taught me. Helps sometimes. Helps what? When things aren't going so well. That reverend. Yeah. Away from the peas. Folks just Away. hate the coming of Sunday because of him. Do you know why I hate Sunday? Because it means the starting of another week. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's when you can play the glad game. Here it comes. Miss Goody Two-Shoes is going to find something about Sunday to be glad about. Oh, lay off her, Angie. Oh, stop it. If you knew how to play the game, then you could find something to be glad about, too. But you don't. Huh? Mm. All right. Miss smarty pants. What's so good about Sunday? Well, there's always something. Uh. You'll be glad because. Well, because what? Because it will be six whole days before Sunday comes round again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so she was in an environment where their church setting, their pastor was a yeller, or a screamer, and a hellfire and damnation, if you saw the movie. And that's what they were talking about there. That's what they heard every Sunday. And they didn't like going to church because the guy was always angry. And so she was saying, playing a glad game and sharing what she has to be thankful for. And she learned this game when one time, she, she was a, her and her parents were missionaries, and her, uh, she had prayed for a doll for Christmas And uh, when the the shipments came for the missionaries for their gifts for Christmas, she received crutches and not a doll. And, uh, of course, she's disappointed. She's only really little, and she received crutches. Like, I don't know what kind of gift that is, but that's what she received. Anyway, and her dad taught her the glad game and says, well, let's be glad that you don't have to use them. You know, you can always look at the bright side of things. And uh, having a positive outlook on life is actually really good for your health. It's really good for your health. Research shows that even HIV patients who have positive thoughts and feelings—which I don't know what that is—I could go off on that right now. But <laughs> like I'm sending you positive thoughts, and your prayer things you see on Facebook. Like I'm sending—what what is that? I'm sending you te- telepathic messages in my head. I'm sending you good thoughts. You, you pray to God, Amen. There's no good thoughts to send. But anyway, another thing. <laughs> I mean, research shows that HIV patients who had positive thoughts and feelings had 300,000 times more resistance to the disease than those without. 300,000 times the resistance just by being positive and being thankful. when God tells us to do something. is isn't this book of laws and rules like you do it as a sin, you don't do it it's not a sin. He's telling you this is how you live. I engineered and created your body. If you want your body to work right, this is the way you need to live for your body to function and work properly. And 300,000 times more likely just, it didn't even say they were Christians, just said they had positive thoughts. Okay? So guys, the way we think is life or death. It affects every way you talk, every way you see things, job potential options, what you do, what you can do. It changes everything in the way that you think. Amen? So I want to look at this with you. We're trying to start in Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. It means just your body. Okay, you live in the body. Set your mind on things of the body. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So we can see a direct connection here with the way that you live... In the way that you think, if you if as we think in our minds, we're going to live out in our actions. So if you have fleshly, worldly, carnal type thoughts, you're going to live a fleshly, worldly, carnal type of a life. That's what the Bible says. There is no um, people want to push the blame onto everything. You know, you can even put the sovereignty of God in there, and that He's making you do this, and He's wired you to do this, making you do that, and there, then you have no say. That's a, that's an excuse for sin. Amen? It's not taking responsibility for yourself. But those who who have good thoughts, uh, holy thoughts, righteous thoughts, spiritual thoughts, are going to have their minds fixed on those things, and they're going to experience those things. When you think like God, you're going to experience the things of God. You're going to experience the God kind of life. You're going to, like, the Zoe life that Pastor Henry mentioned last week. You're going to experience His peace, His joy, His presence when you think His kind of thoughts. Amen? So, um, I think... This is not, again, determined by the sovereignty of God. It's determined by what you think about. All right? I Personally, someone can take that like, well, that doesn't sound very nice. That's kind of condemning. I think it's actually pretty empowering because I can choose what I think about. I can choose to agree with you. or I can choose to agree with God. I can choose to agree with this guy, that guy, the news, whatever. I can choose to agree with God, and it's going to be determined how I think, what's going to be in my, in my heart. All right? So in... um. Verse six, it says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When we think like God, it brings life and peace and joy and all the other fruit and characteristics of the Holy Spirit. But when you don't think like God, when you think carnal, wicked, evil, selfish, jealous, envious, uh, any kind of adjective you want to put in there type thoughts, you're going to attract death to your life. Death to your life. Now, the word death there in the Greek is the word Thanatos, and it made me think of the Marvel movie comics, uh, Thanos. All right, have you ever seen the Marvel comics, the Marvel movies? It's The word, the word is thanatos, thanatos, but they called him Thanos, and it, 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 Thanatos means death, and this guy in the, in the comics and the movie, he was out to kill a, a big portion of the world's population. You can put that, I have a picture of him just to show you on the screen there, if you guys didn't see the movie. Um, he had this special glove, and he had to collect these five gemstones, and as he collect these five <laughs> gemstones into his hand, it's the next one. We've got, got a whole new uh, training on the computer back there. <laughs> no offense to you guys, i got to teach you guys better than that. Anyway, but he has this glove, he collected these five gemstones, and he could snap his fingers... All you got to do is cancel it, start it over, and yeah, 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 that, that thing. So anyway, it's, it's too late now, but anyway, he snapped his fingers, and he could literally kill half or more than half of the world's population just by snapping his fingers. And so when we think like that, when we think this, this character is very powerful, he is very evil, and he, his, his job was to bring death. And when we don't think like God, you are inviting death into your life. Sorry, Pollyanna, we can just leave her off. Because uh, she's the opposite version of what I'm saying right now. <laughs> she is the, the, the what brings good things. And then bringing kernel thoughts, you're going gonna to be like Thanos. So um, anyway, the movie is a classic movie, good versus evil type of, of film. So I'm not sure that people have taken their thought life seriously enough. They just sit back and just say, well, it's just random thoughts just floating through my brain, through time and space, and this thought came through, and this thought came through, and they're not being a, a good steward of what they allow to go into their head. Okay? The music you listen to is going to affect the thoughts in your head. The movies you watch will affect the thoughts in your head. Your fearful intentions have thoughts in your head. Those thoughts generate, and they generate, and they generate, and they build a palace in your head. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but... Um, we know that eating the fruit in the garden brought spiritual death we know if you lose too much blood you're going to physically die but here the bible says you think carnal thoughts worldly thoughts is going to bring death to your life it's going to bring death now people don't believe it because they didn't die on the spot they didn't die instantly so they well it must not be true or god has some hidden spiritual meaning behind that but it actually is bringing death to your body and even to your dna. Well, I'm going to show you some of that uh, the dna side of things and your how it affects your body more next week. But it has an impact on your life. You're invan- inviting Thanos or Thanatos into your house to snap his fingers and bring death to you. Hey, look at that. Right when I snapped my fingers, he showed up. <laughs> so that's the ugly dude there. So um and he got the five gemstones, the infinity stones, and he collected them all, he could snap and it brought death. All right, now we're moving on. <laughs> Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God. You can leave that going, because i got one more slide to show for the next part, but we'll see if it works. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So fleshly, carnal, worldly thoughts uh, it is they hate God. It's hatred against God. Uh, we can see this good and evil thought pattern going on in our society today. Where they're trying to limit your influence. They're trying to limit what you can say and what you can't say. What's politically correct, what's whatever correct, they're trying to limit what you can say because they're trying to limit your level of influence you can have. They want to, because there's a war in the heavenlies over the influence going on in our culture. There's a war over it, Okay. So, uh, this carnal, fleshly, worldly mind hates God and it cannot subject itself to the spiritual life that God desires. Verse 8 says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, so many people read this and they think that God's talking to the world or talking to sinners, okay? But it's 2 Corinthians. The book is 2 Corinthians. He's clearly addressing the church. He's addressing how they acted in church, what they, how they behaved like, spiritual gifts, all kinds of stuff he talked about in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He's talking to Christians that are carnal. Amen? And they're carnal because of the way they think. And he's saying, do you want to change how you act, you need to change how you think. You need to think like God. Amen? That's his whole point going through here. Thinking worldly, carnal thoughts do not please God. Okay? What pleases God? Thank you. Faith, yes. The answer is faith. Faith pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And faith doesn't begin until the knowledge of God is known. You can't have faith in something. It's like, I can have faith in that chair, but it's not the kind of faith that God's talking about. I have experiential faith that when I sit down on this pew, it's not going to break. That's not going to do much for your life. But having faith in what God said, spiritual faith, the God kind of faith, will change your life. But you can't know how God wants your life to change unless you get into his word and find out his heart, his will, his mind, his, his belief in this world, in you, how he sees things, and you change to adapt how you think, metanoia, change how you think, like God thinks, and that will bring freedom to your life. That's the Bible-believing faith. It's faith of God, faith like God, faith in what God says, not faith in what we experience. And then when you have faith in what God says, what you experience will change as well. Amen. All right, so how do we do that? How do we change the way we think? Second Corinthians 3:5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Point number one is we are in a war. That's right. You are in a war. Our country's in a war. The spiritual realm's in a war. It's been in a war, and it's going to stay in a war until this place is all done. There's a war right now over influence. Who's going to influence our kids the most? Who's going to influence the culture the most? Who's going to have the biggest influence, Disney, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Christians, the Muslims, the LGBT, the LMNOP, the whoever, the whatever. I mean, I'm telling you, it is going absolutely insane right now. There's a battle over what we can say, what we can't say, because they're trying to influence what you think, and they influence what they think, they influence what you believe. It's a war against what you believe, and it always has been, all right? So one, we are in a war, and although we're in this earthly body, we don't war like the world does. We're not called to kill each other or punch them in the face because they don't agree with us or uh, put up our hate signs and whatever. That's not how God called us to fight, amen? We fight on our knees. We fight through prayer, okay? Verse 4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So you one you have weapons plural, more than one weapon, okay. Two these weapons are not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're not worldly, but they're mighty through God. They're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. So I, when I read some stuff, when God says something, I'm like, well, what is a stronghold? What does that mean? So I looked it up. A stronghold, case you don't know, is a place that has been fortified so as to protect against attack. It's a fortified place or a castle-type thing that's been built up to protect people from attack. So when I think of that, I got a movie theme going on here today, I guess, but I'm thinking of Helm's Deep, and I think of the Lord of the Rings. Now, can we get that picture? To, oh, praise God. <laughs> yes! It worked. All right. This is, a, uh, this is a Lego version of Helm's Deep that someone had a lot of time in their hands to build this set, okay? Okay. Um, And why this is such a a good setup is they're surrounded by mountains. and And for a large army to attack them, they have to come straight on to the front door. And they can line up along those walls and up above and shoot down arrows on them. The higher ground usually has better positioning in war, right? So this is a stronghold. But the Bible says we have power to tear down strongholds even like that. Any kind of stronghold. This is a stronghold, and we build these strongholds in our mind, block by block, piece by piece, Lego set by Lego set, by what you listen to, what you think about, who you agree with. Uh, if it counters what God said, I don't care what counters what God. John MacArthur said this. I don't care if it, or this guy said this. Uh, maybe I should have said John. This isn't live today, so you know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't care what John MacArthur says. I care what Jesus said. And I'm not against John MacArthur. I don't really know him. I just know that he's very critical about about anything that has to do with charismatic stuff, gifts, the spirit, anything that uh, any of the guys we like, he's written books about them to trash them. So anyway, um, whatever the thought is, if it's political thoughts, if it's Democratic thoughts, Republican thoughts, whatever, these blocks we can build piece by piece by piece in our mind. We build up these fortified cities in our mind to protect these thoughts. You ever meet up with somebody and you're talking theology with them and all of a sudden you get to a certain topic and they won't go there. They just won't go there. You're not going to change how I think about this. I have this fortified city built in my mind, and you're not going to get there. You can't get past this fort. i built it piece by piece over the years. I'm afraid. They get afraid they might be wrong, so they're not going to let you challenge that belief system. So they have this built up and protected. So it's a stronghold. And the same thing in the area of sin or did Jesus come in the flesh or any thought you can possibly imagine those thoughts uh, are going to be protected by what you believe, or it's going to be defended against by a stronghold. But you have the power through your prayers to pull those things down yes. yeah. in your life. Now it says in, uh, in verse 5, it says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This war is always against the knowledge of God. This political fight we're seeing, it's against the knowledge of God. It goes way past President Trump. It goes way past George Bush and Obama and everybody else. It goes way beyond all of those things, way beyond the, the America. Yeah. It's been a war since time began, uh, since the garden fall, of how we think, what we're going to believe. It's a war against good versus evil. It's a war against influence in your life. Who are you going to believe? So we're called to cast down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are called to pull down or cast down arguments. This doesn't mean that you walk up to two people that are arguing and say, hey, I cast this down, you guys shouldn't be doing that, don't argue, hug each other, love each other. No, he's talking about in your mind, in your head. You are responsible to cast down, pull down every single thought that doesn't agree with Jesus. And then you put it in a pen, you lock it up, and don't let it out until it be, uh, agrees with Christ. You say, Pastor, that sounds hard. Well, so is living in bondage. So is living and believing those lies. So is living when you don't have hope. There's no hope for life. There's, uh, I mean, the media wants you to believe that we're, we're going to hell in a handbasket. There's no hope for America. There's no hope for this world. And our hope is in Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're not going to get hope from watching news. You get hope from listening to the Father. What did he say? What does his word say? Did his word lose power? Does it matter we're in 2019, almost 2020? Does that matter? Does that make his word water down? No, it doesn't. It's how we think. If you think we're in a situation that's beyond hope, you're agreeing with the devil, and he's empowered those lies in your life, and you're in bondage. Or you can agree with God, what he says, it will change how you think, and change how you believe, and change how you live, and you can be hope for mankind, of hope of Christ flowing through you. He who has the most hope is going to have the most influence. Bill Johnson said that. I think it's a great quote. If you don't have hope, you're going to influence no one. And God wants you to have hope. The hope of this world is Christ. Okay. It's gonna be a spiritual war, and it's gonna stay that way until it's all over. You know, uh, it's kind of like uh, D-Day, and then it was called I think V-Day is the next part. They won the war in, in Normandy. You know, they won the war. It was it said the war was over here, but then they had to go like V-Day into each little town and village and enforce the victory until everyone knew about it, until everyone was done fighting. And it's our job now. The war's been over. Jesus defeated the devil, disarmed him, defeated him. Uh, cut off his arms and legs and <laughs> walked him around, you know, try, had a parade walking him through, showing him he is defeated. But it's our job to enforce the victory with Christ in us in each little town and each little place we go to. Amen? Amen. So these arguments, other translations say arguments, speculations, imaginations, and they're contrary to the Word of God. You know, it's contrary to the Word of God. And once uh, once developed, they form strongholds in our minds. Once we agree with them. Maybe just, well, it's just a little lie. Once well, a little bit of mistruth. The devil doesn't come right out and say, psst, this is a lie. Believe this. He's quite sneaky about it. So he'll wrap a, he'll wrap, uh, a lie around a truth. I've seen it in Sozo. I've seen it in other things. They believe this lie, and the, but the lie is totally wrapped around a truth. But once they receive the truth of that, they get freedom. Amen. I got to ask permission to share that example. I don't have it today, so I hope it's another time. But um, arguments, speculations, imaginations are contrary to God, and once we agree with them, they develop or build those blocks a stronghold in our mind. So these strongholds are fortified structures, and they need to be cast down. And you have the power to do it in prayer. You don't even have to even get out of bed. You need to be laying in your bed all snuggled up, and that's how much power you have right there. You don't have to put on armor. You don't have to go and scream through the house and go on a 10-week fast or anything. You have power on the inside of you that casts down those things at any given moment, at any given time, no matter what's going on in your life. Two in the morning, three in the morning, five in the morning, seven in the morning, middle of the afternoon, hitting the hammer with it working. You have power and authority to control and determine how you're going to think. All right? So uh, one way... I encourage you guys to get, if you, to, if you want to have intentional freedom, you've got to have, got to have intentional uh, thoughts about what you're thinking about. Okay? So make note of the thoughts going through your mind. They're not random. They're not a coincidence. They are strategically placed into your mind to bring bondage into your life. It's been strategic since you were a little kid. Your dad doesn't love you. Your dad loves your sister more than you. Your dad loves your brother more than you. Those things have been built in your mind since you are a little kid, and those thoughts can be cast down. They're from hell. They are not from God. Amen. They're never from God. I don't care where you came from, who your mother is, who your father is. I don't even care if that's true in, the, <laughs> in some ways because it's not really true. It might feel true, but it's not true. Your parents love you, and God loves you. Then you can pull it over like, well, God loves this guy more than me, and God loves them more than me. You can see by how their life is, well, he loves them more because they're blessed. No, he doesn't. You're hearing those voices. You've been hearing those voices, and you're not schizophrenic. You're not crazy. But you've been hearing those voices since you were born. A people te- The enemy telling you who you are, what you can do, what they're saying, what they're thinking, what he's saying, what he's thinking, how they feel about you, and it's all made up. And that's what he's saying is speculation. Those are speculation. Those are imaginations. And it's your job to cast them down, pull them down, and don't let them build this Lego empire in your mind. Amen? amen amen so verse 5 says to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ we are called to make those thoughts agree with his amen so it made me think of this story uh, an old farmer had uh, two pens In one side of the pen he had the sheep the other side of the pen he had goats okay but this uh, this pen only had one gate so if you open the pen one way the goats came to the pen, you open the swing it this way, and the goats would go into this side of the pen. And it was on a swivel, and you could open it this way. When the sheep came, you could open it to this side of the pen. It's the same thing with your thought life. You have a good thought come to your head, and you knew it wasn't yours, you know it came from God you can embrace it you open the pen to the sheep side to your heart you let it come into your heart you meditate on it you chew on it maybe you can write a song about it just start singing it over yourself thank you God that, that this is true you said this to me I know this is true and you sing it over yourself and declare it over yourself like this is what God says about me this is truth and then a bad thought comes to mind and you can open it up to the, the goat side and put that thing in the pen and let it be captive in there and don't let it out until it agrees with God okay you literally have to do this, and your, your freedom levels is going to be determined by how much and how well you do this. All right, You might start off slow, but you don't have to. It's up to you. People are choosing even right now. Am I going to do this? Am I going to go home? Oh, I'm just going to go home and watch football. I don't know what he's talking about. I, don't know. I tapped out a while ago after the songs, uh, and it's up to you. But I'm telling you, th- this goes back, all the way back to uh, the, the dream I had to me, that we are not ready for what's coming. But if you can metanoia, change how you think. If you can agree with God, you can be used in a mighty and powerful way to bring deliverance and healing and freedom to the captives. Isaiah 61 said he's anointed us, and he wants us to do those things, to set liberty to the captives and the prisoners. Amen? So um, winning the war in our thought life is going to win the war in your life. Amen? So what are you going to feed your mind with? That's up to you. I'm going to pray a prayer for you and then we're going to do communion together. Um, I actually want the elders to come up and you can prepare the Lord's table. I have a prayer. I I don't usually write out my prayers, but I wrote this one out. Um, I want to just pray this over you guys. I I really just feel like this is a now word for the season that we're in. And I'm going to, share about it some, um, some more weeks, too. This isn't just a thought. This isn't just a philosophy. This, isn't, this is the kingdom of God. Amen. Are we going to think in line with the kingdom and, and the king? Are we going to think along with the, the, the deceiver and deceptions, the thoughts that are carnal and worldly that come from the evil one? Okay? Just because it's normal, just because it's part of our culture, doesn't make it's, it good. That's right. That's right. Amen? Yeah. So I want to pray this over you guys. I said, O oh Lord... I pray that you would help us experience true repentance, true changing of the guard in our minds. That these strongholds of doubt, unbelief, unworthiness, guilt, shame, condemnation in others would be cast down. That we would each individually win the war on our thoughts and experience transformation. That we would arise to our rightful place on this earth as sons and daughters of God. All of creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. Let us truly repent so we can truly believe that we can truly manifest your glory as sons. God, I pray you'd help us to just be who we really are that we no longer be manipulated and controlled by fear and doubt and unbelief. We be led by the Spirit of God. So God, I bless your children today, and I thank you for metanoia, transformation of how we think, that brings transformation on what we believe and transformation how we live. In Jesus' name.